Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors <laughs> podcast. Today we have Craig Steele, Exclusive Pursuits Outfitters. And you've been on a spree here lately, young man. You got yep. to, what do you got to say for yourself? Uh, I talked to you on the phone yesterday. You were headed deer hunting, and the next thing I know, you're posting a picture of a old ancient buck on that you'd shot with your bow one day out. Man, I'm just uh, just hunting a lot, whether it be guiding or helping family, or I don't get to hunt that much for myself. But uh, yeah, just hunting a ton, which man if you love hunting what is there not to like about that man yeah i mean uh watching watching all that you've done this fall i've been hashtagging craig Steele guide of the year and um uh i guess we i guess we got to bounce back all the way back to elk season um i guess the last time we talked we talked after the late or the early elk seasons Uh, Uh but What's the deal, man? You've been just laying stuff down left and right. Man, just pretty pretty blessed. A lot of hard work. I mean, goes into everything, but pretty blessed. We had great late season elk hunters, and I think we went we went 100% um, on our late season hunts, um, except for uh, one muzzleloader hunter didn't kill, but he had opportunities um, and just killed some great bulls. Actually, the biggest bull we killed of the year was. 383 um on, on a late season hunt bull would have been over 390 if he didn't have a busted tying which was you know par for the course this year but uh killed a what's this oh, bull with this young guy that i see uh, i yeah, watched oh, the, the video that was a great video the kid that's miles bull that bull was uh high three six three sixty seven and he would have been mid three seventies without a breath busted tying as well that's actually my favorite bull of the year um, I love bulls that drop down. How old was um, that little dude? He's 12 years old. I hunted with him on predator hunts a couple of times. He's, I always say Miles is my own most honest client because he will tell you, kids have a funny way of just calling it like they see him. And uh, he will tell you, I've had him on predator hunting days where he's been like, man, dad, our, our guide sucks. <laughs> and... <laughs> uh, Man, you, what can you do but smile? You know, I'm I'm all about being, you know, open and honest with people. Sometimes maybe a little bit too much um, in the world we live in today. But uh, he will just tell you that. And I, honestly, we didn't see an elk for two days with that kid. And then um, the third day, we seen two shooters and that bull. He actually glassed up that bull. We were looking at another bull and kind of trying to make a plan. And the other bull went out of sight, and and Miles told his dad that I, I see a bull, I see another bull, and his dad's like, "Come on, Miles, you you don't see another bull." And he he was set up on uh, um, outdoorsman's tripod with uh, ten by forty two ELs, um, so he was just you know glassing like a stud. And he glassed up some deer earlier in the day, and he you know he'd finally got. You know how to pick things out and of course big old yellow dumb elk are easier to glass and mule deer and you know his dad didn't believe him his dad actually walked over and looked at his glasses where they were lined up and he said miles you're looking at the same bull and 
you know, so so he wasn't uh, he wasn't sold that he had a bull in the view because because you know Miles is a kid, you know, you you just you kind of doubt it, and here Travis and I are are looking with our 15s in the same area. Well, this bullet popped up 800 yards from us, and the field of view with our 15s, we were actually I had on my 30s because I was looking at the bull trying to kind of evaluate him. And Travis had on his 15s, and our field of view wasn't big enough to to catch that bull. I mean, we we're all looking in the same spot um, because he had on tens. Um, he was able to catch that bull, and finally, that other bull walked behind a ridge, and Miles is still talking about this bull. He's talking. I can see him right now, and I'm like, Miles, you can see a bull right now in your binoculars, and he's like, Yep. So I finally like, man, I got to go check. Well, I bend down and I just close my right eye and look with my left eye. And as soon as I seen it, I ran back to my binoculars. And I'm like, Travis, he's not lying. He's got another bull. <laughs> and Was he like, of and, course I'm not lying, you bonehead. <laughs> I mean, he, he, it was just, it was, it was comical. So he glassed up his bull. And when I seen that bull, I knew it was a shooter. Um, didn't have time to evaluate him. But... Anybody that knows me or is around me enough knows that I like how animals look versus actually how they score. Um, and I'm a sucker for bulls that their beams turn down. And I don't think we get, uh, it seems like the central units, you know, 21, 22 um, area gets a lot of those bulls um, or, or a higher percentage. Um, seems like Nevada has those type of bulls. Um, I don't think we get as many of them in Western Unit 10, Unit 9 as as some of those other units. You know, and I'm talking about those bulls where their beams just fall off the face of the earth. Um, and those, I'm just a sucker for them. Anyway, it was, it was a shooter for him. He went over there. He made a 450-yard shot. And um, bull went down, one-shot kill. And, man, we were just tickled pink. Uh, just And then a couple days later, he... He went to another unit with his with his dad and gave him a little bit of advice, and he he killed his first javelina. So That's that awesome. was that was awesome. Yeah, I see the pictures here on Instagram. Craig Steele AZ. Um, there's pictures of Miles, and there's um, the little video of him shooting his bull, and then there's a picture of him with his javelina. And one of the most impressive pictures in this little set is you are working on Miles Bull. You got your legs kind of spread and you're standing, but you're bent at the waist. Like you're, it looks like you're, um, you're tired of being on your knees. So you just said to heck with it, I'm standing. And uh, if I did that, I don't know that I could ever straighten back up. Well, my back is better than my knees. So <laughs> my, I got a bum right knee right now. I, I don't know what's going on with it, but it's uh swells up and goes away and about the time I say I'm gonna go to the doctor get it checked out I uh starts feeling I decide bad. it's okay yeah, you rub a little <laughs> dirt on it and say it'll just go away yeah and then it starts hurting again like I did this morning I feel like I'm 50 when I get out of bed and I'm not so anyways um, yeah then I'm looking at a picture of old Mrs. Steele laid the wood on a big old bull. Um, yep. she didn't waste any time did she my wife yeah 
you're talking. Yeah, you, she uh, she took a back seat. Um, you know, I had a couple hunters that that had the same tag as her and and my daughter. And uh, you know, my daughter got her bull, which was just a big old sixty inch beam. It is bigger than what I thought it was. It ended up being in the three sixties. Would have been three hundred and eighty three inches, but he was just. Oh, that's the one I'm looking at. That's got the broken. Uh, looks yeah, like the broken got, fifth and fifth point, and he's busted up, he, but he's a giant. Yeah, yeah, he's just super long, you know, and and he, you know, he's not not the prettiest bull in the world, but uh, and that's part of the reason why I didn't think he was, you know, that great. But he was a mature bull. She had basketball practice, so we had to had to get done um, early with her and then, you know, had a couple clients coming in and Miles and then, uh, uh, gosh dang it, why can't I, Marty. Um, and then so my wife, you know, took a back seat, um, which we were cool with. And then, you know, my wife has been on several hunts where every time she has a tag, we usually encounter a giant, something 390 plus. Um, you know, this is how we met was, was through, uh, the YouTube series, uh, the rookie. Um, that's when you first messaged me, um, when I published that and that was our first elk tag. And, uh, you know, we, we were, we were hunting a lot more for ourselves back then and took the time to, to hunt a lot. But, you know, there was a couple of bulls on that hunt. She actually missed a bull that was close to 390 and then we encountered a bull that we called squeak that was well over 390 and you know and then there's been some other times when you know we had a 370 bull found that we didn't get killed and then i bumped a 400 inch bull at 40 yards that the world doesn't know about that was bedded that i trailed up with her and you know had the rifle in my hand and and you know sucks to have a bull at 40 yards it's that big and you don't get him killed and just on and on with her i know there's more um she loves really wide bulls um you know she's not into anything narrow so once once all the hunters got done and we we had like four days we can hunt but and it ended up only being two days um that we were able to hunt just because i mean life you know schedule family um, uh, just a number of basketball games, uh, my daughter's basketball game. We didn't want to miss that. So we hunted, we were hunting a couple bulls that, that, uh, we were looking for that we, we hadn't seen. We didn't know if they're broke. We just knew through early season scouting that, that, that they were around and, you know, everything we found was either that was big and mature was broken. And then everything else was just too small. So, uh, we uh, uh, just uh, found that bull. The actually, uh, my buddy Mike and my dad glassed up that bull, and we were getting ready to leave. And they were talking about this bull, and uh, I hadn't seen the bull. And we passed on a bull that was probably three sixty five, but he had a he was just a six by five, but he had a broken fourth. And then half of his force was gone on the other side, but he was a big old cool bull, just a giant body, thousand pound bull. He looked a lot like my daughter's bull. Huh, we decided to let him go. And, uh, you know, we, we saw this bull and, 
he was pretty and you know when i first saw him i thought he was bigger and then when we got over there and got within uh i think it was 500 yards um i looked at him and i i knew he wasn't what i thought he was but i wasn't going to tell my wife um we it was a last evening and i mean literally the last 30 minutes and she put two in him killed him and he's just a pretty young six point you know the only thing i regret is that he was young but other than other than that man it was a great experience it'd been eight years since she killed a bull um it wasn't the bull that we had we had hoped for and but uh it was the bull that we got and she was pumped about it she made a great shot she didn't have to be too cold so um yeah that's that's kind of the story on that that bull actually pictured um really well um yeah i've had big bulls that you know i killed or we killed i shouldn't say i we killed i don't know seven bulls over 350 this year and half of those bulls didn't picture as well as her 310 inch bull yeah it's just amazing how sometimes just horn configuration lighting angles and all that can make a bull look i mean that much bigger in a picture versus you know a bull that you know is really that big body size has a lot to do with it that bull only probably had a 700 pound body versus you know some of those other those big bulls have you know 900 to a thousand pound bodies so yeah it makes a big difference uh one question i have is what advice do you have for guys out there hunting with their wives or trying to get their wives into hunting your wife's already into hunting um, she's around it a lot with you, um, but you got any advice for guys out there trying to get their better halves into it? What, what, what um, would you do and what would you not do? I'm sure you've done, you've, well, there's, you've been good at both, I'm sure. First, you know, I got to say that the, the I think there's a huge growth in the hunting world with women hunters. Um, I think you have to be real with yourself first and real with your spouse, your wife, and ask yourself, you know, what type of hunter she is and, and, and what she wants to experience. Um, cause you, you know me and I think a lot of people listening know me. I mean, I'm very competitive, um, specifically with myself. Um, and I, want to do as good as I possibly can hunt as hard as I possibly can. And that's not to the level that my wife can go. Um, and you know, she's loves to hunt because I love to hunt. Um, I think there's this big, big fad to where, where, where it's cool to hunt for women because the perception is there's a lot of sponsorship. There's a lot of benefit for women to hunt, which I think it's awesome. Uh, obviously I'm, uh, my mom hunts, my sister hunts, my daughter hunts, my wife hunts. Um, but I would be lying to everyone if I said that, that they're like us as in they can go out and get it done on their own. Now there are women, um, Jolie, um, that, that can do that, that have the skill, they have the desire, they have the passion. So you have to be honest with yourself 
um, from that standpoint and say, okay, well, well, who is my wife and what does she really care about? And, you know, it's just like for my wife, you know, she doesn't like being cold. Um, she has things, she's a full-time RN, you know, she works night, she's a full-time mom. Um, she works her ass off and, you know, it may not be the most enjoyable time spent for her to be up on side of a mountain looking for big, dumb yellow elk when it's, you know, 30 degrees outside, you know, that's just a fact. And so once you identify that, then, you know, it's just making sure you have fun. Um, don't take yourself too serious like I usually do. And, uh, you know, really identify why you're hunting. Um, you know, for me personally, I would aid a tag. Um, but for her, it was accomplishing a goal, you know, and so I had to pull myself out of that situation. Um, it wasn't my tag on that last evening and, um, get her some experience and let her accomplish, you know, that goal. So, you know, I just identify who they, you know, what, what they're hunting for and, and make sure you don't, uh, cause there'll be arguments out there. Um, let me tell you, especially if you're like me and, and, you know, my wife likes to hunt, but she's not me, you know? And so I think that's the number one, um, issue is, is, uh, defining who they are. Now, if your wife's, you know, a go-getter and, you know, she's, um, just in the hunting and she's studying maps and, you know, you know, she's ready to skin out that bull by herself and, and find bull and go hang, go hang a trail camera and, you know, take the truck out and go get lost and pound it. And then, man, you've, you found the exception, but, but most women aren't like that. Yeah. I mean, I can say my wife early on hunted all, all over with me, went with me all over. And quite honestly, I think I ruined her. I, uh, took her in places I shouldn't have taken her. I took her in conditions I shouldn't have taken her and I made it where it wasn't fun. And, uh, you know, the, the, the reality is I'm, I made it not fun and I made it too serious and it, she will go if she draws a premium tag because she knows that it's important to me. But yep. I had one chance to make it fun, make it enjoyable, and make her love it like I do. And I think mm -hmm. maybe I tried to go about it at my pace so that she would love it like I do, and she doesn't. So it, that's the reality. But I, I think even more, like you hit the nail on the head, that's not uncommon. So I was trying to do something that was against the grain and, and make, not make someone, but I did my best to like make someone like something. And that's like the worst thing that you can do. In it, my it, it's, it is, it's, I mean, they're not you, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, it's, it's one of those things that you learn and my wife always says this because she'll see somebody, you know, a girl or, you know, or, or a woman, uh, you know, uh, whether it be we don't watch uh, hunt shows, but uh, whether it be, you know, someone posting up a picture or whatnot, she'd be like, man, I do you wish I I was into hunting more? Um, and I and, you know, to be honest with you, I don't think our family could take it. 
<laughs> she goes in the hunting more. Uh, you know, I mean, I give her all the credit in the world. Um, it's it's literally it's it's a sickness for us, and and I I almost to be honest with you, I get so worked up with her when she has a tag because I want her to get. To be honest, if she kills that one bull elk, she's probably done. You know, that one bull elk, she's probably done. And she, you know, and and I mean, especially with our kids, their age now. Um, And it's not that she, you know, it's just not a priority for her. Right. It's just not high on the the No, no. I mean, that's what you have to accept and and, and realize that they're they're just, they're different, different people. Um, and like you said, you can't, you can't force anything, you know? So yeah, good stuff. Let's take a quick break here. Gohunt.com insider is currently working hard on year over year draw odds. This will be a very nice enhancement. As you can imagine, this will include more data and allow people to find important trends. Additionally, Gohunt.com insider will be adding guided draw for New Mexico and Nevada and we'll finally have Arizona draw odds, which everybody's pumped for. The Arizona draw odds will be insanely accurate. GoHunt.com Insider has worked very closely with the Arizona Game and Fish Department to get all of the data needed. This will all be live before the end of the year. If you're not already a member of GoHunt.com Insider, go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott to sign up and receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Real Game Calls featuring the Elk Reel. Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out ElkReel.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.ElkReel.com. Okay, Craig, I want to shift gears. Awesome elk season you guys had. Uh, Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters. Uh, Check them out. Check out Craig's uh, website. Check them out on Instagram. I want to shift gears a little bit because you quickly transitioned from late elk season into um, archery deer. And you do a lot of over-the-counter archery deer Uh, mule deer hunts and I get a lot of questions and I get a lot of uh, messages about guys from out of state wanting to know about opportunities in Arizona uh, for archery deer and you know I I think first of all we should say that you know Arizona offers archery mule mule deer and coos deer hunts in August over the counter then in a lot of units in i believe like december it's usually like the 9th 10th 11th 12th something like that of december every year they offer uh december hunts and then starting january 1st in most units in arizona you can also bar buy an ar- archery deer tag that now starts january 1st for this new say coming up 2017 season 
That tag can also be used in August if you don't fill it in January. So from an opportunity standpoint, Arizona, in my opinion, has phenomenal uh, deer hunting because of the amount of time that you're allowed and you can shoot both species. Um, you guys do well in August and on the later hunts, uh, on the over-the-counter deer hunts, but you this year um, took a guy and Man, he shot a nice 4 by 4 buck, nice and wide, uh, great buck. I know you and Lee, you guys had success last year. What's your secrets or what's, what's your thoughts on, on this hunt and why is it a, a hunt that you like to do every year? Well, speaking about the, the, the December-January hunts, that the, the one thing about Arizona south of the Grand Canyon is, you know, in the further south you get towards Mexico, um, the deer are rutting that time of year um, versus, you know, some of the what traditional Rocky Mountain mule deer, you know, um, above the Grand Canyon and then states like Colorado and and whatnot, those, those deer rut in November. So we're a little bit different, you know, and, and, and there's not many other places uh, other than Mexico that that have the offering of a late rut deer hunt so that that's the uniqueness of it now as far as like being successful on on the over-the-counter deer hunts um they're tough there's a reason they're over-the-counter obviously because you know they're they're open to the general public i think there's i don't know 12 to last time i looked 12 to fifteen thousand bow hunters in the state of arizona um but i mean considering the amount of area that is open it's minimal um, and not all those guys are eligible to hunt. So, um, meaning if they it, had shot a buck with their rifle tag, uh, they, they can't, just, they can't hunt in December. They have to wait till January 1st to start a new year. But then if they kill a buck in January with their bow, then they can't apply for rifle seasons in the fall. So out of those hunters, you know, there's probably half of them can't even hunt. Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, one, one of the biggest factors is knowing locations i mean knowing where deer are because you could come out and hunt on your own and it might take you you know you you might stumble on a good buck and you know kill a good buck i knew a kid from utah about three years ago that did it killed a 180 inch buck on his first time out you know as far as i know the kid hasn't come back but uh you know he, he went on his own and he found a good buck now it could take you you know five years you know now the us, you know, we, we run about anywhere from five to 15 over the counter archery deer hunts a year. That's from January to, you know, August through December. So, so not a ton. There's other guys that are running a lot more, but, uh, you know, knowing locations, um, local knowledge, um, scouting and that, you know, so those, those are the two biggest key factors. And then, you know, knowing deer i've been hunting the over-the-counter archer deer hunt since i was 14 years old 12 years old somewhere in there um i don't know i've killed eight or nine bucks with my bow um, i've never killed a mule deer with my rifle never even had a rifle tag i got 15 points for the strip um but uh yeah so it's 
it's one of those things where the opportunity is there. As far as the quality of bucks, um, you know, a lot of locals will shoot whatever, but there's opportunity to kill 160 to 180 inch bucks in some units. There's guys killing. I just looked at a picture today of, of a guy I know killed 180 inch buck on Monday. Um, you know, so there, there's definitely that opportunity. The buck that we just took was, uh, 29 inches wide and he was, uh, just a hair over 175. Um, he was super old, great buck. That's a solid buck for that hunt. That's a great buck for that hunt. Um, if you can kill 170 to 180 inch mule deer on pretty much any tag other than the strip, I mean, you're, you're doing something. Um, was that buck the, running that wide buck that you guys he, killed? Was he running? He, he was running. In fact, that I knew that I, that buck, uh, I've had trail cameras pictures of that buck or we had trail camera pictures of that buck, um, in August and, uh, hadn't, we didn't see him the entire August season. He didn't, he didn't show up, um, at any point in time, um, through any of the seasons until that day. Um, and that buck I'd seen two years ago when we were hunting a 200 inch buck, um, I'd seen him in the same area. Uh, mule deer have a little bit bigger home range than, than coos deer. Um, you know, everybody, well, I don't know if everybody knows, but coos deer have tiny home ranges. So that's where locations are huge. Um, when you mean locations, you're just talking about general areas. General hunt. areas. Like within, within specific units, you're talking about pockets of where you know there's deer yep so, yep so for those listening that are going to go guided the guides usually know those pockets of deer for those guys that are going to try and do it on their own they have to figure out where those pockets of deer are but if you can be in those general locations of pockets of deer and you can go in december and january when they are thinking about chasing does that's that's where your key to success is yes no for sure because you got to find those pockets of does and and you know keep checking them. December December usually the the central part of the state seems like it gets going a little bit early. And this is just all general, but um, and and the further south you go, seems like the the later it starts going. And you know there is times when, when you know January will be rocking. You know uh, mid January can be rocking. You know it's just like the the elk rut, you know, there's a lot of variables that go in there that we think we know that we really don't know. Um, but, uh, well, you know, let, let me ask you specifically, let's, let's talk like just central Arizona, you know, units, tens, you know, 17s, 18s. Uh, would you say if you had to pick, say a two week window, when would you say the prime rut is like, is I, you know, give me for central for first, Central Arizona, I would say, you know, kind of north central Arizona, I I would say the prime rutting would be like the week before Christmas until like the second weekend of January. Um, um, and then I would say scale that back a week, week and a half for the southern hunts, like, you know, in the uh, 40 units, um, in, in any of the more deserty units. Um, it extends further back, but Me meaning later, correct? Later, yeah, yeah. Go go back another week. So, and a in half. other words, as you drop down in elevation and get more out in the deserts, it's going to be more like Christmas to like the second, third week of January. It's going to bump back a week. 
Yep. Yep. Typically. And then, and then I would even say as far, and then as you go down in Southern Arizona, the further South you go, speaking about mule deer, I'm saying, you, you know, probably the month of January is the best in Southern Arizona. Yeah. Speaking yeah. about coos, I'm going to say you get some pre-rutting activity, uh, on those over the counter hunts, uh, after Christmas. Uh, in central Arizona, which is a higher elevation, which is a higher, uh, you know, it's higher up in the state. When you look at Arizona, uh, it, it may happen sooner. And then as you get closer to Mexico, your coos deer rut is going to be later. So I think most of the best coos deer rutting activity is definitely in January. And I think it can go through the whole month, um, I just want to make that clear. And the mm-hmm. thing about Arizona that's cool is it's an any antler deer tag. So you can shoot a coos deer or a mule deer. And there are some units where the deer overlap. And you can see on the same hill, you know, glassing, you can see a coos deer and a mule deer buck in, in the same, you know, same morning. Yep. Uh, and I think another thing to point out is you can, if you apply ahead of time, there are javelina tags that you can get in those same units and dra- yep. draw those javelina tags. And then you have a mixed bag hunt of over-the-counter deer and archery javelina at the same time. Um, but, you know, honestly, don't you think for those listening that are from out of state, if they really want to get serious about hunting deer in the rut... I mean, Arizona is a great opportunity. Yeah, it may take them a couple years to figure it out or hire a group like yourself that already knows and is dialed in. But, I mean, not many opportunities across the United States where you can actually hunt mule deer in the true rut. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it's a huge opportunity. It's it, To be honest with you, it's actually, from a big game standpoint, it's our funnest hunt. Because guys haven't waited 10, 20, 30 years. They're not, you know, so, you know, the anticipation isn't there so much as far as they they have that they have to because they've waited, they've invested so much time and money waiting for this tag. It's an over-the-counter hunt. It's it's just fun. Um, they're, you know, the opportunity is there to kill good bucks. Um, and, and you're hunting, those rut hunts are awesome. Now, the August september hunts they're you know those are more traditional they're they're found you know pretty much in other states as well um you, some of the states are draw but you know the benefit of that hunt per and this is just me personally um i, I like the rut hunts but i've personally myself have had more success on bigger bucks and less pressure on, on a public land standpoint, um, on those early season hunts, um, because, uh, there's a lot of fair weather bow hunters, um, that, that don't get out in August and September and everybody's thinking about other animals. And, you know, I've personally hunted bucks over 200 inches on that hunt and, uh, should have killed some bucks that big. But anyway, that that's, and, and on that hunt, you know, the bucks are, they're either by themselves or in a small bachelor group. Um, and it's spot and stop early morning. 
um, late in the evening, pretty much midday is dead for the most part, unless you got a moon face, you know, where they get up for a few minutes and feed. Um, but you know, there's, there's another opportunity and that one tag is valid from January one until December 31st of the next year when the seasons are open. So you essentially, if you bought a tag for January, if you had the time and money, you, you could hunt all three seasons on that tag, you know? Yeah. So, um, it's, and for, I mean, for the money, the value, and if you have the opportunity to come in August and hunt, and then you have the opportunity to come back in December, it, it's a great, you know, uh, actually the best thing is to come hunt in January. If you don't kill, you come hunt in August. If you don't kill, you come hunt in December. And, yeah. and, and you know, as far as value hunting, it's a great, uh, great proposition for sure. Uh, Let's talk about... Um, I wanted to get into subject because I have people. One thing with those hunts is I will tell you is that it's a bow hunt. So they're archery hunts. Now there's a lot of conversion over guys want to get opportunities that are rifle hunters that have never bow hunted. Um, that James kid that killed that buck, he's a bow hunter. And I mean, we're all hunters, but he had, he made a quick call on that buck. That buck was at, we bumped that buck at 30 yards and he stood up and James was at full draw and he walked behind a juniper. And at that point in time, the guide can't do anything for the hunter. The hunter is on his own. It's, it's not like rival hunting where, you know, you can control a lot as a guide. And James made a quick call to step five steps to his right at full draw. And that's the reason he was able to kill that buck is because he had a skill set um, that allowed him to, um, and he he had that mental capacity. There's a lot of guys that would have froze up and asked me what to do at that point in time, and it probably would have cost us that buck. Don't you um, think it's instinct? I mean, he didn't have to ask; he just acted. He did. It's and, instinct. And it's instinct, and some of that's talent, and some of that is failing. You know. Uh, uh, you know, he was only, he's only 18 years old, so he hasn't felt as much as many people. So there must be a little bit of a talent variable in there, but, um, being able to shoot your bow, you know, being able, I'm not say take long shots, but being able to practice out to 70, 80 yards. So that 40 to 60 yard range is money is critical. Um, in a lot of guys that are in the Midwest and back East, they don't think about that stuff. It's, it's, it's a spot. Most of them are spot stock hunts, you know? Um, so things can be really quick. Um, especially on that rut hunt, things can change. Um, and you know, if, if you, I'm going to tell you, if, if you are going to go do it on your own, expect to fail for the first at least five years. Um, and that's, I'm just going to be honest about it um, because it's going to take you time. You're going to have to first find areas to hunt. And then if you've never bow hunted mule deer, you're going to have to put in the time. And that means either you're going to get lucky um, or you're going to fail a whole bunch to gather that experience to be uh, become successful. Um, and that, that's just what it takes. A lot of guys, I get that question all the time. 
you know, just for general knowledge, like oh, what about this and what does it take? And you know, I could, we could write, I, you and I both know we could write a how to, but the reality of it is, is you have to put in the time, you have to put in the work. And a lot of that means year after year, after year, after year of failure, and then, you know, slowly getting a success here. And then you learn from all those mistakes. And a lot of people that don't want to learn from those mistakes, they quit. And, and, you know, bow hunting's not for them. It's a different, it's a different, different game. It's, um, sometimes I hate guiding bow hunts, um, just because of you, you, you have to have a certain mindset and a talent level to be successful. It's just, it's just the truth. I totally agree with you. Let me ask you a question. Yep. From a standpoint for those listening out there, when you are driving to your hunting area or whatever you're doing, once you get out of the vehicle, what are you doing? Are you going up to a knob? Are you glassing? Tell me, tell me in in general, how are you finding these deer? How are you figuring these deer out? And then how do you make your stock? Number one thing I am thinking about is whether the day and night before, because if it's blowing 40 miles an hour all night out of the north, I'm not going to be looking at any slopes that are in the wind, anything that's on the north side. And you can flip-flop that whatever wind direction you want to be. I don't think a lot of people think about that stuff. Those animals, they're going to be pocketed up. They live in that. They're going to be in sheltered areas. So you need to first identify what was the weather like the night, the day and the night before. So that will increase your odds significantly at being able to glass up, especially deer, which are the number one, you know, predation on deer are, are, is way higher than predation on elk. So they're constantly hiding from coyotes, bobcats, mountain lions, and humans. So they're going to be in those little draws. Let's say the wind's blowing 30 out of the north that night. You can expect that I'm not going to be glassing anything that is on the north side. I'm going to be looking at those draws or canyons on the south side. Um, and I'm going to, if it's still blowing hard, um, I'm going to probably not going to be doing any big glassing. I'm going to be glassing little pockets. Now, if it's blowing light or whatnot, um, I may be hike up to a high point in glass. Um, one thing I've learned is that, uh, it's kind of contradictory to elk, but Sometimes with deer, you're glassing from the bottom up, um, specifically where I hunt, um, where the browse feed is better on those ridges, especially during the rut hunts, because those does with those fawns are typically in a little bit steeper country. Those bucks in the early season, they'll chase that green grass and be out in flats, and that's how they get killed by us, um, because we can glass from above and glass down on them. Um, and it's an easier stock, but during the rut hunts, those does are typically in those ridges, staying away from the coyotes, um, and, and trying to stay away from other predators. Plus there's browse feed. 
They're not on grass that time of year. They're on browse. They're on cliff rows. They're on manzanita. They're on scrub oak. They're on juniper berries. Anything that's, you know, need a chest height. That's what they're eating. So a lot of times I'll be glassing from the bottom, which may be the truck, up. Um, if, it, if it's an area I got to hike into, um, I'll probably, you know, glass from a ridge line down and then once I clear that area, I'll hike to the next area. But that's general rule of thumb is pay attention to the weather because that's going to tell you what side of the mountains or hills you want to look on. I think that's a great tip there, Craig. What else? What else? How? I mean, how are you finding deer? If you, if you were just thrown into an area that you'd never been, what are you looking for? If I just took you out and said, you got to find 15 deer today, what what are you looking for? The number one thing I would do, depending on what weather is, um, let's say if it's been dry, which it hasn't been dry in Arizona over the last month, but let's say it's been dry, which is common, you know, two-week dry spell. The number th- one thing I would do if I was a newbie um, going to somewhere else to hunt, I would drive as much country as I possibly can, check as many waters, and look for tracks, especially in the desert. Check for tracks around the waters, um, check for tracks, you know, in washes, um, because those tracks aren't going to lie. You can get up on the knob and glass your little heart away and not see, you know, that one buck with five does in that five square miles. Mm -hmm. But he lives there, and he's going to leave tracks some somewhere in that two week time period. So if those tracks aren't going to lie. That's my biggest saying. I actually had a predator hunter that I hunt with a lot. He's like, tracks don't lie. They don't lie. You said the it tra- enough that he finally started. Yeah. It. Yeah. The, the <laughs> tracks tell the story and, um, you know, they give me confidence. So when I've got tracks, um, I know there's something there. I'm just not seeing them. And so, you know, then obviously, um, if, if you have trail cameras uh, on those water sources and you're able to do it, um, you know, put up trail cameras, use those, use those trail cameras. Now, mind you, they're mule deer and uh, speaking from the mule deer standpoint, um, desert mule deer, these animals are used to living in 90 to 120 degrees. They don't have to water every day. They're not big old elk. Um, and so um, you, you may not get everything that you're hoping but those tracks aren't going to lie. So once I find them, I might, you know, I'm going to pick an area. I'm going to look for tracks. If I don't see enough tracks, um, I may go move on to the next area, try to cut tracks. Once I find the sign that has the biggest buck tracks and maybe the most density, then that's probably where I would concentrate my efforts. Um, You don't have all the time in the world if you're going to come on your own, you know, you may have three or four days, let's say you have a week. Um, that to me is number one thing. And I, and I still do that. If I'm going into an area I haven't been in a while, um, I may, I may for that day or half a day check for tracks, you know, and, and the one thing about knowing locations, um, speaking on the mule deer side of it is every year can be a little bit different. They have small home ranges, but that area may not have gotten rain that much that monsoon season there may be a mild difference in the feed from from you know or or 200 yard difference from from one canyon to the next of what got rain that canyon over there may got an inch of rain in the monsoon season versus 
this canyon over here is completely dry. So those are all things that you need to take in consideration is, you know, just because you find that area doesn't mean those deer are going to be exactly in that same spot the next year. They're going to move around based on water, based on feed, um, predators. So, but finding those tracks is key. Good stuff. Let's take a quick break. Then I want to ask you about your, your day hunt yesterday, went out in one day and shot a, shot a really cool buck with your bow. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products. Okay, so you've been hunting like crazy. You've been doing predator hunts with your company, Predator Exclusives. You've been doing late elk hunts. You've been hunting with family and clients, and you shot an over-the-counter mule deer. And then I'm talking to you on the phone because you hadn't literally had a break in seemed like 60 days. And I said, where, where are you, what are you doing? He goes, ah, I'm headed archery deer hunting. I'm like, dude. You've been gone for like two months, killing stuff every day. The next thing I know, you post on Instagram, this gnarly looking old mule deer buck. Was he rutting? Tell me the story. What what happened? Okay, so yesterday I I got done with the predator hunt on Tuesday, and then my wife works nights. And she was working Tuesday night, and she worked... She was supposed to be on call last night, but she wasn't. She ended up having to go in early. Um, But that morning, I kind of put on my hunting clothes and kind of had it in my small brain that I was going to get out and do some archery deer hunt. But I had to take the appropriate steps, inchworm my way into the conversation with my wife. I'd say weasel your way in. (laughs) Without her seeing me in uh, my my hunting attire <laughs> first to make sure it's called the art sure of it was okay on the, the home front. art of deception yeah. dude <laughs> uh, now mind you i've gotten in two days of hunting uh, two days of hunting um in over the counter season archery deer in, in august that's that's all i've done and then i hunted a predator hunt last january which i hunt annually uh for a day and a half with my buddy so that's all the hunting I've done for myself, um, which I'm okay with. I, I love, you know, hunting with hunters. I, I don't have to be the guy pulling the trigger. I've, I've done grown past that. Um, I just, I love, I just love hunting, the all aspects of it. But anyway, so I got permission from my wife. She said, oh, it's good. It's cool. And then she even, I said, she's like, well, you're just, are you going to be back in time to pick up your son? which was four o'clock. And I'm like, oh, I hesitate. And she's like, Nope, I got him. I got him. I'm like, are you sure? And she's like, yep. Yeah. But I'll be back in time to pick up my daughter after basketball practice. So, so that was good. I ended up not being back for either. So, <laughs> so you call, we hadn't talked in forever and, uh, or at least very much. And I called you, I made one other phone call to, uh, a, a predator hunter and uh, I think I talked to you at like 8.45, and uh, 
I was going out to check an area that uh, doesn't have many deer, but I've been noticing a little bit of bump in, in deer in that area over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I, I knew I could find, well, I hoped I could, if I found a buck that he'd be older age class. And, uh, I knew it was like my only day really to hunt because today was stormy. I got programs for my kids today. Um, uh, Friday, um, we're looking at going out deer hunting with my daughter. My daughter has a rut, uh, youth mule deer tag, which has been going on since, I don't know, a week and a half ago and we haven't even gone yet. Um, so, and, and we've got the 26th to the 31st, which I was going to be hunting with her. So realistically, Wait, what is that vibrating your phone? That's my daughter lighting me up. She's wanting me to pick her up from school. Oh, gotcha. Um, she's, she's fine. Um, so anyway, I knew it was probably going to be my only day, you know, unless my daughter kills early, but I don't want to rush her hunt because it's taken her a few years to draw it and man, there's something about hunting with your kids you can never duplicate. So I lost cell phone service with you and I'm like, okay, well, I, the first area I go to, there was nothing there. Um, hiked up a hill and I'm like, uh, got some good exercise class for a little while. Nothing. Come back to the truck. I, to be honest with you, I hadn't shot my bow since September. I shot at 50 and 60 was dead on. And I'm like, I'm good. And, uh, I know there's people out there probably cursing me for saying that, but, um, I was, I, w I was good. I've been bow hunting since I was 12 years old and, and probably, I mean, I'm not as good as what I should be. You know, I, you know, this Jay one, especially as much as I hunt, there's no time to shoot. Yeah. Um, that when you're gone from before daylight to after daylight, you know, and in my wife's working night shifts, I, I guess I could shoot in the house, but um, I blow through the target and probably I've done that before and shot my refrigerator and that wasn't good. <laughs> so anyway, long and short, probably about 10 o'clock, I finally glassed up some deer. I went to the next spot. They're in this little little basin and uh, there was just a little buck, a little two by three or something with two does and two fawns and i was I'm like crap man so i'm like all right we'll just keep going well i was to be honest with you, i was driving to the next spot thinking okay where am i going to get up the glass and then i'm like i was thinking about man where's this water well i was trying to pull up the onyx map on my phone to to pull up the app but i or to pull up this water um this catchment and i didn't have data service I was looking down at my phone and I got ready to take a left and then people are going to be like, oh man, this guy's a road hunter. And I looked over to the right and there's a bunch of deer standing there. I couldn't believe it. And I seen the old buck laying down and they're probably only 110 yards off the road. Well, I just kept driving by. I kind of glanced at him. I got down the road. I drove past him. I turned around, well, I parked and I was probably about... I don't know, three quarters of a mile from him, got out my glass and I look and I seen what he was. And he's a big two point, um, old buck. And I was like, it's Gnarly a mature buck. Looking sucker. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's 1130. Like it's a, 1130. a regressed buck. Like he's, like he's already headed downhill looking buck. Yeah. Or he's been a big two point all his life. I don't know in that country, yeah. who knows? So I looked him over. I'm like, man, he's gnarly. He's cool. Uh, we still got some places to go. So I 
took about an hour and a half detour, drove up this other road, hiked out to this point, glassed. In my mind, I'm thinking, man, God just gave you a gift and you're looking away. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. I know there's a better buck around here. It's got to be a better buck. Then I start adding up the time. It's 1245. I'm like, geez, it's going to take me an hour to get home. That puts me at 145. And then I didn't realize I lost an hour. Um, that's, I shouldn't have probably said that, but that's another story. My, my phone was actually picking up Nevada time where I was at. So, uh, so I actually lost an hour and I think, and I, I was thinking it was earlier, but it wasn't. So I was running out of time. So I'm like, crap, I got back in my truck. I'm like, dang it. I'm like, if he's still there, if he's still in the same spot, I'm going to make a go at it. Pulled up there, same spot. He's in the same spot. I'm like, here we go. So I park. I'm like, this is this is it right here. I'm going to kill this buck. So I work down the ridge. and Anyway, they get up and go over the ridge when I get to the spot I wanted to be at. And then I see them down the bottom. So they go down the bottom. And then they, they go up over this ridge. And then they start going up the steep, bald hill. I'm like, what in the heck are they doing? So I'm watching them. I'm like, I'm the clock's ticking. Like, I need to be home pretty soon. And I'm like, dang it. So I run back to my truck. I pull my truck around, park it. And I'm watching. He laid down. And I'm like, you know what? I got nothing else to lose. I'm just going to go straight at him and slide underneath those does. There was a group of does that were up above him on this little bench. He was bedded below the bench. And then there was a, a doe and a fawn around him and another fawn right above him. So I walked, went up this steep, steep bench or steep hill right underneath that bench. And I come out to where I thought he should be and he wasn't there. And I was like, crap. So I'm like, well, did I bust him? Did they just move off? Is he still around here? Well, there was really nothing but boulders to hide behind. So I caught one of their tracks and I just started following their tracks. Well, then I look up probably 20 yards from there and there's a doe. So I kneel down and this doe just catches a glimpse of me and she starts working down past me. And she gets to like 15 yards. I'm like, where's the buck? Well, then she finally spooks and she bounces up over the ridge. I'm like, oh, here it goes. It's done now. So I'm like, man, I got nothing better to do. I'll just keep following her. So I followed where she went and I peeked up over the other side and I could see a doe feeding probably 70 yards steep downhill and i'm like crap and i look and there's another doe at 50 yards and there's another doe and they're calm i'm like i just bumped a doe how in the heck are they calm i i still don't know how they were calm and then i look to the right and i have an arrow knocked and right in front or or downhill from me and in front of me there's the bucket 55 yards he was right underneath a rocky outcropping and he's just standing there and he's chewing his cud, but he's kind of, he's quartered hard away from me. So I range him. I start shaking like a big sissy. Um, it's a big old two point. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> That's, it's a big old two point. And I start shaking like it was my first buck. So I calm myself down. I range him. I clip on him like he's 55 yards. There's no, he's just barely downhill from me. He's actually, he's almost up on my level. And, and, uh, I put, 
Well, the one doe, she's seen me stand up and she's on to me and she blows out. Well, then he turns and locks on to me and he's quartered hard to me. And I'm like, dang it. I don't want to shoot him. I don't want to shoot him. And then he takes a couple steps and I draw back and he darts down the hill. And I'm like, crap. So I go to my knees and grab my grunt tube. And I can see him, I range, and he's 80 yards downhill. So he's probably 70 yards, um, true distance. And I'm like, dang, that's a far shot. And this guy hasn't been shooting his bow a lot. So I'm like, dang it. I'm like, so I grunt, I grunt, he switches his tail. All the other deer took off, except for him. I call him back in, and I range him, he's 67 yards. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to hold 60 on him. So I draw straight back, I anchor down, and he turns broadside for me. And I uh, squeezed her off. I hit him just about three inches too high, um, and he fell right to the ground. Um, put another arrow on him quickly. And uh, I didn't spine him, but I high-shouldered him um, just a little bit high. And he is a cool buck, man. He's old. He is a cool buck. Big old, tall. I mean, just a mature animal. Um, it was fun. Just, just, it was a gift, you know. And, and you know, I got to tell the story because I got to tell it. But that 180-inch buck that I, 88-inch buck that I told you that guy took on Monday. It's funny. I was having this conversation. I sent a picture to my buddy last night. He's like, oh, awesome, you know, and he just killed a small buck the other day, and, you know, and my buck was bigger than his buck, you know, which I wasn't, obviously, wasn't even thinking, keeping track, but last night, he he texts me, I didn't get it till this morning, and he's like, did you see such and such buck? And I'm like, man, I don't want to see his buck, because I know it's bigger than mine. <laughs> You know, you just get off that high, and it's the world we live in today. Like, you don't even get some time to celebrate, and somebody's got a bigger buck than you. You know, and and, so it, and I say this just because I know other people that are listeners feel this, and I know people feel that when I post stuff. Myself, I'm talking about my own content here. You know, when I kill big elk with a client or we kill a bobcat or we kill predators or we kill a big muley or kill a big antelope or big sheep, whatever it is, that feeling goes around to everybody. That's kind of why I do that little hang loose sign, because at the end of the day, I shot the buck that I shot because in my life and my time and my value system, where I was at, that was the buck I wanted to shoot. That was the buck I had an opportunity at. I'm not competing against that guy that shot that 180-inch buck on Monday. And so I just hope people recognize that because it it really it kind of kicked me in the nuts when I seen the picture of that buck. I'm like, damn it. If I'd have put more time and effort in, if I'd have really, you know, I can make up all the excuses in the world as why I didn't kill a bigger buck the reality of it is i just didn't kill a bigger buck be happy with what i have and 
don't take anything away from it. So that's just kind of why I had to say that because it's one of those things that I think today that everybody feels. Um, I think everybody kind of kind of gets deflated. Um, and I think in our own little way, we're always out there to to improve and, and, and get better. And, and sometimes by all the content that everybody posts, I think there's a lot of animosity and there's a lot of, of, envy. of envy. envy out there. And, you know, we're all we're all just living and, you know, for us, we market. Um, and as Gary Vee says, uh, marketers ruin everything. And sometimes by marketing, you know, we might, you know, ruin, you know, the, the, the your, uh, you know, just, it's just like my wife, you know, she didn't kill the biggest bull out of, out of everyone. She killed this pretty much the smallest bull of the year. Nothing to take away from that other than, you know, she's happy. Um, I'm happy and, and just, just be happy for one another and, and don't let that, uh, don't let that animosity build up in you because one day it's going to be your turn. You know, people that act like, um, people that act like, you know, they don't kill, you know, they always kill the biggest stuff. They're, they're liars. They're full of shit. Excuse my language. Um, it, it comes around to you. You're going to have your turn where it's, it's, it's not, you're not going to be on top and you know, you just got to work through that and keep going and if and if you're good enough and you put in enough effort, you'll get there. So that's awesome, buddy. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that. I kind of needed that this morning. I appreciate you bringing that up. Let's take another quick break here. I want to ask you some gear stuff, and then we'll uh, let you get on with your day. PhoneScope is a company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get yours now by using the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Awesome, Buck. Uh, if guys want to see it, they can go on Craig Steele AZ on Instagram. Check out Craig's Buck from yesterday. Congrats, buddy. Uh, before we get to gear, I want to ask you a few uh, gear things that you're using this season Maybe new things, maybe old things, just some things that jump out at you. But what's up with the Patriots 12 and 2? Hard work. Some people, they call it cheating. I guess it's better than being the Browns at 0 and 14, huh? Yeah, you know, at least they have nowhere to go but up, the Browns, you know, so... So um, what are you thinking? Are you thinking like uh, Cowboys, Patriots in the Super Bowl, or man, what do you think? You know, to be honest with you, it doesn't matter unless we win. All you care about is the Patriots are there. I mean, and then they it. win. Yeah. They, they, I mean, you got to win it. You, you have to win it. I mean, there's only one winner, and tip your cap if you're not the one winner. And you know, I, I that's that's the only thing I think about in in hunting is winning you know there's only you, you know if you got a tag you, you can either win or lose and 
you know, if you don't win, tip your cap. And that's what I love about the Patriots organization is, you know, they're good losers. There's, and, and they're good winners. You know, I mean, don't, don't step on people when you're winning and because it's going to be your turn eventually, you know, to lose. So speaking um, of losing, my Cardinals are having a little bit of a rough go. Um, but, uh, yeah, hopefully I mean, they happens. figure it out. It happens. It's the NFL, man. I mean, I, it, it is what it is. And, um, yeah, hopefully they'll figure it out. Uh, guys are real down on Carson Palmer. I, I'm a Carson Palmer fan. I think he's great. I think uh, guys are the, the quarterbacks always got to be the whipping post, you yeah. know? So who are they going to go out there and get? And I'm not, a, I'm not a football expert. I don't get to watch much football. I never was that great at football. So, you know, I'm not here to, you know, whatever, but you know, Gosh, how about some blame for the offensive line, you know, or coaching staff? I mean, there's there's a number of people you can blame. So, yeah. Craig, doesn't matter. any moving on, any gear um, this season? Couple things, I, you know. I've said it before um, for the guys listening for any hunting, but for me, for the over-the-counter archery deer, uh, I wore those Sneak Tech. And I've got no affiliation with Sneak Tech. SneakTech.com. That's S-N-E-E-C-T-E-C, I believe. It might be S-N-E-E-K-T-E-C. But anyway, um, best sneaky feet uh, type of things I've ever worn. It's got about probably an inch and a half cushion, the non-memory foam cushion. I recommend anybody going to do over-the-counter archery deer uh, wear those suckers because I mean literally you can sneak up on anything with those things you'd be so quiet I've never found anything to make make my stock so quiet but um, Craig what have you found a um, couple things you found over the last this last season um, there's the one thing predator hunting or or going somewhere else in hunting that you're not familiar with or even places that you're familiar with on X maps, I, I just, I don't know. And this is, you know, they did some sponsoring or advertising with me when I used to do a magazine, but outside of that, there's no affiliation. You know, there's no, they're not paying me. There's nothing, man. If you don't have that, just freaking go jump off cliff. Okay. I, I got a question for you about this. Let's, this is a good discussion. Okay. About a year ago, I got I downloaded Onyx Maps, and I it might have been two years ago, and I, I I cached the maps so that I didn't have to have service, and I went to Unit Nine, and I opened the maps up, and it was real blurry. It wasn't clear when I'd zoom in and try and get detailed. It was like real fuzzy and real blurry. And I don't and, I don't. That you're talking about the app, right? Yeah, I'm talking about the Oops. app. What are you talking about? Um, that I'm talking about just their their card in general that goes in GPS. Okay. Um, and and the, I use the app as well. Um, I use the app as secondary for me. It's oh crap, I don't have my Onyx uh, GPS with me. See, I run I run a vehicle GPS is what I basically run all the time in my. Vehicle. So what it's, are you running? It's a big Garmin New V, and I don't know what model number, but it's got like a five-inch screen. And that thing is going constantly. Has, you know, obviously has all the BLM, Topo, you know, right on there. And so 
specifically predator hunts, but also scouting. I can mark trace and it tells me where I've been in the vehicle. Um, so it traces out my, you know, uh, line of travel and I can see all the canyons and I mean, it's just, it's just huge for me. I mean, I, I use it all the time. I pull up little things. If I'm in an area that I haven't been in in a while, I can see if there's a road. Now it doesn't have all the roads cause some of it, I mean, it's, it's some of its old maps. Now, now um, does this have aerial are, are you looking at that aerial? does not have aerial. It's okay. just top. Just it's just top. top. Okay. Um, and then I have the app on my phone with the aerial. The, the one thing I did use that, the, the app on this year, I mean, uh, I don't know exactly. I'm not an expert on it, but uh, why it's blurry other than uh, may, maybe you didn't cache it when you had full service. I, I don't I mean, know. I can I can open up Google Earth and zoom in on that aerial, and I mean it. You you, you could see same, a, you could same. see an elk standing there almost. Okay, I don't. I here here's the deal. I don't care if it's Onyx Maps or Google Earth. If you have satellite imagery, what I like about Onyx is because I have that overlay of that public land. Gotcha. Um, if I'm okay. if I'm hunting public land, but I don't care if it's Google Earth or Onyx Maps. Um, I I don't care which one, but like I I had. I could have used Google Earth as well. Um, this year where we had a bull that was hit and, you know, I sent Lee a map of where I thought the bull was at, Ariel, and, you know, they were able to do some search and they found the bull. And there's just little things like that. Like I might pop open that aerial view um, if I just have my phone and I do have service because I'm not – I don't I'm not the best uh, at at caching stuff, so I, I just I don't think about it. And but I can pull open that that aerial view and I can see, oh man, there's three junipers right there in between where me and these bedded bucks are at, you know. Okay. And then that allows me, oh, there's the three juniper trees. So there's little things like that 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 is huge. But specifically, I use the Garmin in my vehicle a ton just for scouting and specifically for predator hunts i mean it is you know or, or even like at night you know traveling back to somewhere you're like crap it it got foggy and rainy on me where where am i at you know yeah it is yeah, and i i don't mean to I, I jumped on you right away asking about on x maps just because i may be an idiot i might have downloaded it wrong but I wanted to know, are you specifically talking about Onyx maps or are you talking about, you know, digital mapping in general? Digital um, mapping in general. I mean, I use the Onyx maps. You could use, you know, whatever. Sorry. Um, but, but you know, that in combination with some sort of aerial satellite imagery, you know, the topo with the aerial satellite imagery, I, I think, I mean, it's it's to me, it's gosh, dang it. Sorry, guys. It's huge. Um, and then moving forward from the maps and products, um, I got to give some props to the outdoorsmen's for their pack. Um, that pack, I have beat the heck out of it. And, uh, man, it's, it's showing some signs of wear. I think this is my third or fourth season with it. But, uh, man. <laughs> I just beat the crap out of it. 
I don't take care of it. And they're just tough. You know, they are just, they're just tough. You know, maybe there's other packs out there that are more comfortable and whatnot, but that thing is just tough. So, um, I don't know what else to say about it. Um, and that's their, their old version. I don't have their new version. Um, and then what else? Uh, trying to think, obviously glass as usual. Um, their binocular adapter is, is critical. Um, you're it's, bouncing it's, around with your mic there. Um, am I? You what mean, am I doing? You mean the outdoorsman? Not having a party over here. You mean the outdoorsman? Their adapter. Yeah. Yeah, their adapter. I mean, it, it's putting those studs in all your binoculars and it's being able to run one adapter, you know, um, it's, it's in the way it locks on. If you get it locked on, you need to make sure you lock it on. And um, there's a couple times when I was first learning how to use it that I didn't get it locked on all the way. Um, but once you get it locked on, it's locked on. Um, gosh, dang it. I'm trying to think what else my Toyota, God bless my Toyota. I haven't seen runner. many photos in the last, like say 30 days of it jacked up or anything like that. Man, I've put on 30,000 miles in a little over a year with that thing. And that's not 30,000 highway miles. That's 30,000 grinding, pounding, man, it just... Riding I, with you is an adventure. I will add that. You know, I know you drive just as fast, if not faster. Lee, my partner, drives super fast. I know some of those other guys out there that drive even faster than me. The problem with me is I just don't watch the dang road. Um I That's don't my see Lee problem. as a fast driver. Lee's oh, a fast driver. Gosh. As 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 gentle and polite of a person and just just calm as Lee is, he drives fast. I don't yeah, see that fast. at all. Oh man, it's he drives fast. I I have, I'm slow compared to him, but he you know to be honest with you, I'm not the. I hate driving. I hate driving. That's why I'm always looking on the road off the road looking for tracks or sign or animals or new place to go scheming about something i i just hate driving i think it's a waste of time it, it just annoys but my my forerunner I, yesterday i had it in some crap i'm like why am i beating this poor thing down this road i know i'm not going to see a deer when i walk out to the end of that point but i had to do it anyway just just to do it um but uh Man, yeah, that's uh, as far as like sneaky feet. You mentioned that sneak tech or whatever. Um, they I don't know incredible, if I've incredible, man. You have to. I mean, if you've ever listened to anything I've ever said, I'm <laughs> telling you, check those things out. The they're best. Like, they're like forty bucks, and they okay. are incredible. The, before I spend money on those, which I probably will, the thing that I saw a hunter do, Gene, last year during archery elk hunts is he wore some very thin uh shoes with those open i don't want those individual toes i don't know what the heck they're called you know what i'm talking about yeah and he put on a really thick pair of wool socks because the thing i run into is i'm already in a size 13 so if i start adding in more stuff on the bottom and i also have orthotics I start walking on high heels and in snowshoes, and it's not good for sneaking. 
So I typically go barefoot, but the problem with going barefoot is if something gets up and moves on you, your feet are are screwed. Um, I, I, and, I was watching one guy one time that was stalking, and uh, he left his shoes behind, and then he called me on the radio and said, I can't find my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually left them overnight one time. Me and my buddy killed a buck, or he killed a buck, and, and we drove back out there the next day to get our shoes. He almost stepped on a rattlesnake walking back to the truck barefoot because we did the same thing. We couldn't find him, so we drove home barefoot. Um, <laughs> it got, there was so much cactus and then there was a snake. It was just not good. And, but the, he, 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 he had those shoes with the, with the individual, uh, toe, uh, whatever you call it. And, and then he put a thick wool sock and that's my next thing I'm going to try. I'll try those sneak texts too. Um, no, you won't. You will not. Yeah, I probably won't. You won't even go look at them. You won't even go see what I'm talking <laughs> I, about. I, I You're I, so I pig-headed. You won't even. You you won't even think twice about them. Oh man, it. I I I yeah. You're right. <laughs> All right, I buddy. Um, it's been awesome today. Uh, you you. You're always just as honest as the day is long and, you know, you say it just how it is. And that's one thing I really like about you. I appreciate having you on and you spending your time and sharing your expertise with us. Um, give you a chance to let the listeners that don't know you, uh, how, how, do they, how do they follow you more? How do they find out about you? How do they contact you? Um, you can follow me on Facebook, Craig Steele. Um, or Instagram, Craig Steele AZ. Um, it's pretty much the two that that I'm on. I'm on more on Instagram than anything. Um, you can go to our our guiding big game guiding Arizona big game guiding website, uh, exclusivepursuitoutfitters.com, um, and you can go to predatorexclusives.com. Um, if if I post anything, I post both personally and professionally on my Instagram. Um, pretty much everything else on those other platforms or those other uh, uh, mediums are, are professionally so for our outfitting stuff. But and, that's it. And real fast, your predator hunts, you've already been doing some, but over the next couple months, uh, your predator hunts, you're going crazy with your predator hunts. And, and uh, this is kind of going into the season when you do the most predator hunting, correct? Yeah, you know, I got a couple guys that that have been doing them, and then I I've done a few, um, but going into December's usually a good month for us, um, but January and for me personally, February and March is usually my busiest months just because I'm out of the big game season, um, and uh, February is usually usually it is loaded for me. Um, I've got I don't know seven or eight people I need to call an email already um, that that are wanting to predator hunt with us. We just have limited space. Um, and Plus so you, it's, you have so much return. I mean, so many yeah, people returners. come once. I mean, you just finished a hunt with Ian and he's been out a bunch of times. Yeah. We about, about 80% of our, our people come back and hunt, hunt again. Um, and a lot of, we have a few guys that that'll hunt multiple two or three times in a year. So, um, we, we want to keep it, you know, kind of that small, medium size where we can take care of guys and have good hunts and hunt with people that we like. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of a little bit slow to get booked in with us. 
Um, but that's because we just want a higher quality product and, you know, we're not, we're not into being Walmart. Now I get it. You want to hunt with people you like. That's why I haven't been in- invited one time on a predator hunt. Now, now I get it. Now you're reading in between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Uh, if I don't talk to you, have a Merry Christmas. Uh, have a great holidays with your family and um, uh, just uh, go get them on these next hunts and I'll be chatting at you down the road. Thanks for doing all that you do, providing all the quality content and the value that you do uh, in in your platforms and and, uh, just appreciate the guy that you are, okay? All right, man. You too. Thanks, Jay. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Are you there?